Well, good evening. Thank you. This is one of my favorite shirts. It's really comfortable, and there's a lot of my life in this shirt. I take a look at this shirt, and I see a little bit of my deck on it. I see a little bit of my basement on it. Uh, I can't smell it, but I uh, fixed some pretty bad plumbing with it. It's, it's, it's a fashion. You know, we're, we're coming into 2019, and there's new fashions out there. In fact, here's some of the greatest fashions. If you were to go on the web, it's, this is what's coming up in 2019. If you're interested in wearing something, I guess I'm a little out of date, aren't I? I probably should change. You want to get closer to what these are in order to be in fashion. I guess for a pastor, it's Penny, I'll pick that up later. <laughs> for a pastor, this is a better fashion to be in, and so I guess I'll preach from this. But you know, God's Word is a very interesting, it's a very interesting um, book. And some of the things it does, it talks about, and it talks about in different forms, it talks about our fashion, the fashion that we should have in our heart. And I thought we could take a look at some of the passages. I need to get my notes out here, sorry. You know, if you're, if you're leading a fashion show, you have to have your clipboard, so that's my clipboard for our fashion show. Uh, there's some scriptures that talk about putting on and putting off or clothing or being adorned in various things. I thought we'd just look at them real quickly before we get into our passage tonight. So let's start with Romans chapter 13, and it says this, The night is far gone, the day is at hand. Then let us cast off the works of darkness. Put on the armor of light and put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. And then 1 Corinthians Corinthians 15, it says, For this perishable body must put on the imperishable. The mortal body must put on immortality. Then when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, the whole idea is that when we die, we let go of this, our mortal body, and we get a new body. It's like being dressed all over again. In uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 2 and 3, it says, "For For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed putting it on, we must be found. We may not be found naked. For while we still, while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we should be unclothed, but that we should be further clothed. So the whole idea is that we put off our mortal body, and God's going to give us a greater, a greater outfit, with a better fashion. Philippians four twenty two. Put off your old self, and it goes on in twenty four to put on the new self created in the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 6, 11, 14 and 15. Um, put on the whole armor of God, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as your feet, it's talking about as kind of putting on your, your shoes for your feet, and having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Galatians 2.27. For as many of you were baptized, you were baptized into Christ. You've been put on, you've put on Christ. 
First Peter, um, first Peter five. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. First Peter three three. It's actually talking to wives here, but it's actually fitting for all of us. Do not let your adorning be external. Let your adorning be the hidden personal heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. You know, what's being said here, what's being said here is that we need to take a look at what, we're, what we are clothed with inside. And if I'm going to really put a real representation of my clothing inside, it wouldn't be this shirt. It'd have to be another shirt. It's not a shirt I like. One thing I like about that shirt is that I can hide things. I'll pick that one up, too, Penny. <laughs> you wouldn't know it very much, but if I'm standing up here at the pulpit, this shirt is stained. It's stained below where you can see it. And if we are very honest with ourselves, we would take a look at ourselves and we'd say, you know, I'm not quite all that great. I've got some stains in various areas that shouldn't be there. And my fashions aren't really showing on the outside what they are on the inside. So I'd like for us to take a look at a passage in Colossians tonight. Before we start looking into the book of Colossians, I'd like to have a word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, we want to bow before you realizing you're the great God, the creator of our life, our very being. And you want us to be like you. You want to clothe our inside to look on the outside like you. So that when people look at us, the fashions that they see are Jesus Christ. As we look into your word tonight, Lord, we would ask you to prick our soul. You would encourage us, as we've talked this morning about resolutions, help us to make resolutions that will change us and give us a fashion in 2019 to be more like you by the time we reach 2020. Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you got an outline tonight, it doesn't look like an outline. It really is not an outline. It's an inventory list. And I want to read a passage out of the first part of Colossians that Paul wrote to the people of Colossae because he saw in them some great things, and he had a prayer for them. He, he had, there's ten facets to his prayer. I'm going to read through that. I might stop a little bit and share just a little bit of it from time to time. But on your sheet, you have it says self-assessment. And it says circle one to five. Now, I'm not going to encourage you to do that tonight. I'm going to encourage you to take this home. Think through this passage and circle what's the best, where, where it's best for you. Let's, let's read that passage. First Colossians, Colossians chapter one, starting verse nine. So from the day we heard, heard of you, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Isn't that amazing? I want you to know God's will. I want you to know God's will from his perspective. I want you to understand it from his perspective. I want you to have his wisdom so that you're walking a life that is worthy of the Lord. I can't check that. 
I got too many stains. I want to be there, but I'm not there yet. Walking a life worthy of the Lord. Any man worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. Have you ever had those years where you just went stale? I know enough, God. I don't need to look at your word enough. I'll read it maybe, but I'm not going to really apply it to my life any more than I have before. I've just kind of gotten stale in it. And what Paul is saying, his prayer for them is that they would be growing in the knowledge of God. And in growing in the knowledge of God, that you may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Whose might? God's might. Paul is praying that God's power and God's strength will impact their lives from the book that he's writing to them. And then he goes on to say, uh, with his glory might, for all endurance and patience. That's a tough one. All endurance and patience. With joy, giving thanks. God, I'm waiting, but I can't quite get there yet. I'm just trying to be patient, but I don't have any joy in it. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that God will change your inside to the point where you can be patient and enduring with joy, giving thanks to him. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. Now, that's Paul's prayer. It's foundational to the passage I want us to read and to evaluate our life by. So turn with me and stand up, if you wouldn't mind, and we're going to read Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. This is Paul talking to the Colossians. He's talking to them about their fashion in their spiritual life. You'll, re- you'll hear things in here about putting on, casting off, putting to death, putting on, pulling off. Think of those things in, in the perspective of what it takes to get dressed or undressed. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator." Here then is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you so also you must forgive. 
And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And put on, or let the peace of Christ dwell in your heart, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thank you. You may be seated. Paul starts this part of the passage, and he kind of gives us a whole rundown of what he's going to tell us. And so in the first four verses, he's going to talk about what the next several verses are all about. That's what he says. If then you have been raised with Christ, if you've been raised with Christ, what does that mean? If I've been raised with Christ, if I've been born again, if I'm part of the family, if I'm one of Christ's followers, if I'm a believer in him, if I've come to a point in my life where I've given my life to Christ, then I'm one of them. He's talking to us. If you've been raised with Christ, once we've died with Christ, the Bible says we've been raised with him. So if you're a believer, these things are for you. If you're not, You need to listen and become a believer. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated in the right hand of God. You know, I live my day, typically for the day. I don't know about you. I've got plans for tomorrow. I've got some paperwork I need to fill out. I've got uh, some work I want to do in my shed. Uh, I'm going to spend some night over at friends tomorrow night over at some friend's house and go looking forward to ringing in the new year. But my mind is supposed to be set on things above. And Paul's going to tell us in these passages, how do we set our mind on things above? Set your mind on things above that are um, not on the things of the earth. For you, have, for you have died and your life is hidden in Christ, in God. What does that mean? My life is hidden in Christ, in God. I know there's a few people in our congregation that has season tickets to various, various uh, sporting events. I can look at them. Th- I can look at people throughout the congregation. I don't know who has those. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. It's kind of like that. As far as the world sees, the world sees Ed Lockmiller, or sees you just like you are. But in reality. Our life, we have a new life. And Paul is trying to say it's a heavenly life. And we should be thinking about our heavenly life and how this life reflects the heavenly. And so when, we, when Paul comes up and starts telling us how we can get rid of things and how we can put things on, we need to be thinking, this is how I dress my heavenly life. Because when I'm dressed in my heavenly life, my earthly life will reflect it. So that's what he's trying to say here. It's hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We've got a home. Christ is building it. The Bible tells us that you all know that. For those who are in Christ, we've got a place to go. We're gonna, when we, when we, people see Christ, they're going to see us as him because we'll be like him, the Bible says. And so Paul's going to tell us in just a few passages what are the things we need to do in order to think through our heavenly life 
in our heavenly fashions. He starts, now, now I'm gonna, let me explain this a little bit to you. You'll notice on the next portion, it's going to start talking about sexual immorality, and then it gives you, it gives you some things down there to put on, to check, whatever. And um, you need to go ahead and realize that in reality, we've got to get rid of these things. Here's what he says. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Put to death. Literally, it means make dead. You're to murder this stuff. The next few things, he gives us five things we need to get rid of that should never be a consideration in our life. The first one, he says, is sexual immorality. He's talking about the physical here. He's talking about anything that does not relate to marriage. Anything that does not relate to fornication, uh, adultery, homosexuality. He's talking about any of the areas that are sexual that are not a part of marriage. That's what, you may need to check that. I don't know where you're at. Impurity. It's a little bit of a wider contest, but the, the thought is what, the, what our words and our deeds, how does that, how does the impurity of our thoughts and our words and our deeds come across? The first four, the sexual immorality, impurity, the passion, evil desires, all have a sexual connotation to it. So impure thoughts and impure words and deeds it's talking about. Passion. It's an intense desire or enthusiasm for something. And I suppose in some cases it may not just be sexual. It could be a passion for betting. It could be a passion for, for pornography. It could be a passion for uh, doing things that, that that's all you can think about. And Paul says we need to get rid of that. Evil desire is very similar to uh, the passion aspect, but it just talks about bad desires. If you're going to go ahead and deal with that, it would be bad desires. Covetousness. Covetousness, it's greed or lust. What I see is what I want. I covet it deeply within my heart. I, I, I desperately, desperately need it. And Paul says those are things... We need to totally get out of our life. There's not a question about it. It's nothing simple about it. We have to just totally ignore it. We need to make it dead. But now, in verse 6, he goes on and says, um, actually, he goes on and says, on account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Everything that was before this, the wrath of God. If you look in Romans, you talk about what a deprived person is, you'll see all these things listed. The wrath of God. What is wrath? It's intense anger. I can't imagine being, having God angry at me. You can see that in the Bible a couple times. God was angry at Noah. I mean, not Noah, I'm sorry, Jonah. What did God do to Jonah? I don't want to be against God's wrath. So then he says, goes on from there, he says, um, you must put away. A little bit different. You must put away. Penny and I, over the course of the last several years, have lost some weight, and we've had to put away some clothes. You know, we wrap them up, and we put them in a bag, and for a while we kept them in the basement. And then we finally gave them away. Paul's saying this. He says, I want you to put away these things. 
I want you to get them out of your life. I want you to, you know, you're, you maybe can't control them right away. Maybe can't ever fully control them. But when you catch them, put them away. Oh, I caught myself in anger today. Put it away. It's the first one he talks about, anger. It's an attitude. Most of these are attitudinal things. Anger, he says, we're not supposed to anger. Well, the Bible says we can anger but not sin. Well, what does that mean? Well, in some cases, it means you've got to deal with your anger. In some cases, we should never be angry. Talks about wrath. Put away wrath. The intensity of being so angry you don't know what to do. When I was young, I, I started learning how to repair clocks. And in the process of repairing clocks, there was one clock I was having a real rough time with. And it, was a, it only had the spring in one gear. And I just got so angry with that thing, I picked it up and I threw it on the floor and I had to spend about four or five hours repairing the gears. <laughs> Paul says, God says, we need to do away with wrath. We have to do away with wrath because it's pretty bad on us, much less the other person. Do away with wrath. Malice. You know what? Malice is a malicious disposition kind of match each other, don't they? I want to get back with you. Husbands, wives, do you ever have that attitude towards your spouse? Or maybe your brother or your sister or somebody at work? I want to get to them. They got to me and I'm going to really get them good this next time. You know, there's some areas there, maybe we need to check off. This is an area I need to work on. I don't know. Slander. The actual word here for slander is blasphemy. But it really means insulting and uh, slanderous speech. Putting somebody down. Speaking wrongly of another individual. Saying something that isn't true. I don't know if you've ever been on the other side of that, but that's not an easy thing to have happening towards you. But the, the Bible says we should put it away in our life. We catch ourselves doing that, let's deal with it. Ask for forgiveness. Let's go before the Lord. Lord, I'm dealing with this. It's hard in my heart. Help me deal with that today. Help me deal with it right now. Obscene talk. Dirty language. Anything that's not appropriate is obscene talk, and it's easy to get into. Paul spends a little bit more time in the lying aspect of it here. Um, in verse 9, he says, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with his practices. You're not to lie because that's not who you are. You are a new creation in Christ. The movie out there was Cinderella Man, and in, in, in the Cinderella Man, it's about a name by the name of, um, oh, I forgot his name. Uh, pardon? Yeah, Russell Crowe. He did it, but the name that he was, he, uh, was Braddock, uh, Braddock. And he was a fighter, and it, he was on hard times. And his son in that movie stole, stole some meat from the meat market so that they could eat because they weren't, didn't have any food on the table. And he takes his son and he makes him go back and, and return the meat to the, to the butcher 
And he comes out of there and he sits down to his son and he says, Son, we don't steal. I don't care how bad it is, we don't steal. It's not a part of our character. And God is saying to us here, we don't lie because that was our old self and our new self. It's not our character. It should not be in our character to be angry. It should not be in our character to have wrath. It should not be in our character to have malice. It should not be in our character to have obscene uh, talk. It should not be in our character to slander or to lie. And God is saying, put on a new fashion over yourself. Change your clothes if that's what you need to do over your soul so that you're walking in the character of God. He makes that even more clear as it goes on into into, uh, verse 10. Notice what he says. You have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Who's the creator of your new image? Pardon? Who? Who? Only about three of us have Christ as our creator of our new self. I feel really sorry for our congregation. Who is the creator of our new self? Oh, we got about 10 people now. Who is the creator of our new self? Christ Jesus. He is the new creator. It's after his image that we're to reflect, to look like, to have our fashions. Why are we called Christians? It says in the Bible we're called Christians because they, we looked, they looked like Christ. They were like little Christian, little Christ walking all around. People recognize them as being Christ followers. We should be that same way. And that's what Paul is telling us right here. Well, now he's told us what to get rid of. Oh, I, I, I need to point this out. I think it's very interesting that he says, it, put on the new self, he says, we're renewed in the, knowledge in, uh, in the knowledge after the image of its creator, the creator of a new self. And then he says, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free, but Christ is in all, or it is all and in all. He's saying that within the, content, within the confines of a church or with, within the confines of any, with, within the within those who are Christians, there's not to be any recognitions of different classes. Uh, I could go into all the different aspects here, but it would just take too long. All these different people were, would be normally at odds with one another. And what he's saying is that when we're walking in Christ, when we're, our new self is shining through, we don't have any problems with whatever person's color is, whatever their nationality is, whatever they came from, we have, should have no problem. Everyone is a brother and a sister in Christ. We're one, all one in the same. He comes on now and says, what are we to put on? You notice, if you take a look on your outline, the things we're supposed to put on are listed kind of indented, and then we get down to a few areas that aren't indented. So the things he's going to ask us to put on are indented here. The first is a compassion heart. Let me read it, and then we'll go over it. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones. Notice how he's telling us who we are. God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. 
And then he says, above all, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. The first is compassion. Well, maybe I'm doing fine there, or, or maybe I just need to improve a little bit, or maybe I need a major overhaul. You can check that on your own. You don't have to check it now, but that's something we can take a look at as we think about what is our fashion going to be in 2019 spiritually. Compassion. You know what the Bible says literally? It says bowels of compassion. It's talking about compassion for those who are unfortunate, for those who are miserable, for those who are suffering. You know, I often have compassion for those, but then there's some that I just almost overlook and could care less about. God says we should be people of compassion. I need check, need to be improved. Needs a lot of improvement there. Kindness. There's a there's a writer by the name of Ellicott, and he said kindness is a sweet disposition. We would, we know what that is. Sometimes we're not kind, and sometimes we need to go to God and say, God, I need your strength to make me kind. Humility is an inward type of a thing. It's 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 kind of an inward, it's a spirit or a manner of life. It's the humility humility of your heart will come out in in the humility of your of your actions. Meekness is gentleness, opposed to arrogance. It's consideration of others' rights and who they are. Humility and, um, and meekness, some, some translations say gentleness, were related terms. And there weren't virtues that were very much admired in the, in the pagan world during Paul's day. And many times they're not really highly honored within the work world today, right? But God has called us as believers to be people of humility and meekness. Patience is long-suffering, self-restraint, and able to bear, in, um, bear injury without retaliation. That's tough. You know, sometimes it's easy to be patient on the outside, and you're not patient on the inside. And when you're patient on the outside and not patient on the inside, God needs to do work in our lives. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another, those are both kind of going together. Um, these are, I'd like to read you out a commentary that, that I um, got this out of, which is the Expositor's Bible Commentary. It says this, The two Greek parsiples, bearing with and uh, forgiving, expand the thought of patience. Paul uses them to show that Christians who are truly patient will manifest this attitude by, one, a willingness to bear with those who, with those whose faults or unpleasant traits are an irritant to them, and a willingness to forgive those they have grievances against. Bear with suggests that the thought of putting up with the things we dislike in others, forgive, a w- word used in 2.13, God's action toward us has a sense of forgiving freely. Forgiveness in relational wisdom 360 says a willingness to bear the pain of other people's actions. And uh, that's what he's talking about. Loving others. It's an interesting perspective that Paul has here. He says, above all these things put on love, which binds everything, um, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. In other words, if we really had God's love in our life, we would find out that we were actually, in a, in a great way, allowing God to impact our lives. You know, I'm sitting here looking at it, and I haven't changed our, 
I haven't changed our um, PowerPoint along. Um, we have kind of gotten to right here, haven't we? Because Paul goes on and he says a few unique things in verses 15 and 16. He says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What do I have to do for that? Let me read it again. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. What do I need to do for that? Make room for it. Okay. Pardon? Let it happen. Let means what? Let it go on its own. Here, here's what Jesus says in six, um, Matthew 6.33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. What do we got to do? Seek first the kingdom of God. God's going to add the rest. He's talking about food and clothing and things we need. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for today is its own trouble. What do I need to do to have peace? God is saying, just allow God to take care of it. He's going to take care of it. In Luke um, 2.14, we just, we just heard this just within the last week. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those, or peace among those with whom he is well pleased. He's not saying you have to do anything for peace. Go seek peace. He's saying God wants to give peace. Peace, Jesus says this in John, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. You don't have to take it. You don't have to go for it. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither be it. let them be afraid. John 16, 23. In me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Take heart. I have overcome the world. Peace. Romans 5, 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 5 and 7. Be anxious about nothing. You know, in order to be anxious, we've got to make, we have to have an anxious. We have to do some kind of action. Be anxious about nothing means I'm not doing anything about it. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What do I need to do for peace? Paul said earlier, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's something we need to allow to happen. He goes on and he says, and be thankful. That's a tough one. Do you realize there's three times so far in the passages we've read today that God says, be thankful. And then he says this. Oops. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. That's a very interesting statement. Allow, let means allow, permit the word of God to dwell in you richly. Anybody here ever heard a sermon on Sunday morning and went home totally forgot about it? I'm the only one. Oh, about three, maybe four. That's not, that's exactly opposite of what he's saying here. 
Why should the Word of God dwell in me richly? Because the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Do you want a new fashion for 2019? God wants to snip off the things that don't fit in the spiritual, in our spiritual heart and make it conform to what it will fit him in our hearts. Cutting, discerning. He wants to go in within our life. He wants us to shape us and remake us to the point we are more and more like Christ every day, discerning the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. And then he says, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed in the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. God wants to change us. He's only going to change us when we allow his word, which is active and living, to work in here. It means I need to take a portion of his scripture. I need to chew on that scripture. I need to let it talk to me and interact with me. I need to let it change my thoughts. I need to let it change my life. Because remember what Paul prayed for in the beginning as we started this? That we might walk and walk worthy in a manner of the Lord, that we might please him in every way. He wants to do that in and through us because he's do, said later on in the power of his might. It's powerful, it's active, and wants to work in our heart. And Paul says it, he wants to do it with all wisdom. Notice what he says, teaching and admonishing one another. I love that. I should back this, this up a little bit. When God is working in our life, and we're learning and we're growing. He says, teaching and admonishing others. In other words, there's going to be outgrowth of God's work in other people's lives. God's working in here, and therefore I'm sharing it out there. You see what I'm saying? See, see what Paul is saying here? It's an active. It's, it's, it's a powerful thing that's working in here, and then we want to share it. And then he says, we want to do it with all wisdom. In James 1, it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask of God. Paul prayed for that for the Colossians earlier. And he closes this whole aspect down by saying this. Let the peace of Christ, I mean, um, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. And then in the last verse, he says, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him. You want a new fashion for 2019? This is just an assessment tool. And this is a tool that you may want to take home and work through on your own, make a check mark here. God, I want you to work in this area. God, I want you to work in that area. You might just want to take it home and throw it out. I don't know. This morning, Kevin talked to us about what it means to uh, make some resolutions, deciding to put God first, to do the work that God's called us to, to be demonstrating holiness and depending on God's word. If we want to do that in our lives, we need to make an assessment of who we are and then make a plan for what he wants us to become. Make sense? Let's pray. Father, you're the great and the awesome God, the creator of this universe. And for those who are in you, 
You've created us anew. And Father, there's parts of my life that don't look like you. But I would ask, Lord, in 2019, over the year ahead, Lord, shape some of those areas of our lives. Help them to reflect Jesus Christ, the light of who he is, the love of what he's given. Father, help us to be forgiving, caring, compassionate people because that's who you are. Give us peace, give us strength, and renew us in you. In Jesus' name, amen.